Thank you, Natalie. Good morning again. So what in the world is a Reader's Sunday? We were processing and talking about uh, in our teaching team. We have a number of leaders that are a part of a teaching team, and it was, I think, David Pelser who brought up in uh, previous church experiences, they would have uh, some experiences where rather than uh, the normal sermon being preached, that at particular uh, moments of the year, they would just read large portions of Scripture or a larger portion of Scripture and, and let that soak in. And Jedediah is like, yeah, I've done that, and I love that. Wouldn't we love? Let's pray about it. And I was like, yes. This, In fact, you could see this Sunday, this Reader Sunday, as the first Sunday of our Lost in Translation series because it's all about the power of the Word of God and giving space to the Word for, for the Spirit of God to, to fill the Word and engage our hearts and souls. That's what a Reader's Sunday is about. I wanted to read to you this passage from Hebrews that says, For the Word of God is alive and active. You can't say that about any other book, can you? No other book, whether, whether the world considers another book sacred or not, only sacred scripture, only the Bible is alive and active with the presence of God. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, it, it um, uh, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So there's this power just in the Word of God. That's why we preach from the Word of God. That's why so many of us read the Word of God on a daily basis. That's why people memorize whole portions of the Word of God is because we, we take it in and we give space to, again, the Spirit of God fill the words and so penetrate our hearts and minds. So how we're going to do this this morning is we'll take some time and uh, David and Julie Pelser will come up and they, they have uh, put a lot of thought and preparation into this. They're going to read a portion or, or they're going to divide it up, not straight by chapters, but by thoughts. And they're just going to read it without commentary. And then they're going to provide moments for us just to listen. In your bulletin, you have a little section of reflections as well as prayers. And I want you to be mindful of a word or a phrase that, that jumps out to you. We'll, we'll have the words on the screen, but I would encourage, if possible, if it helps you to follow along and pay attention, then by all means, look at the words on the screen. But if it helps you just to hear, then close your eyes and just listen to the words and the scriptures. And, and they'll pause between certain uh, uh, thoughts within Philippians. And so in, in those moments of pausing, that's the moment between you and the Lord is, what are you saying? Maybe you wrote a phrase down that, or a word that stuck out to you. And you say, Lord, why did that word stick out to me? And then secondly, just ask, 
boy, if there's a prayer, if I, at the end where we're going to have some time to pray, is there a way that the Lord would have me pray this word, this phrase, okay? Um, David and Julie, would you come forward and get situated? And as David and Julie get situated, I just want us to reflect a little bit on Philippians. You want to close your eyes just a moment to start that? Would you think back? We started Advent with with Philippians, and, and we talked about elusive joy. Talked about within... Uh, the book of Philippians is all the aspects of the Advent season of hope and peace and love and joy. And how can we be a people, whether we're in prison like Paul was, or whatever situation, that the joy of the Lord is our sustenance and strength. We talked about in the second part of chapter one, the reverse Christmas, Paul's desire to be with the Lord, not to escape the hardships of the world, but out of love, like a a Romeo and Juliet kind of love, this intimacy between him and the Lord was his desire to be with the Lord, and he wrestled with this choice to go be with the Lord or to continue to serve the kingdom of God in the world. Chapter 2 was the incredible passage of the incarnation, the, the theology of Christmas, and yet so practically applied, inviting us to the mindset of Christ Jesus, that we would live our lives humbly and obediently, reverently before the Lord. Chapter 3 was that uh, chapter uh, that Pastor Dedediah called trash, that idea of garbage that compared to this incredible purpose that Paul says, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And chapter four, the the final exhortations to, to rejoice in the Lord, that repetition that you might notice, the repetition of Paul, rejoice, rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. The, the practicing of the presence that, that are, by our gentleness that, that people might know the Lord is near. Praying with thanksgiving. All these things leading to the secret of contentment in every situation. It might be some of those words and phrases that sticks out to you and you want to write down and record. It might be something else. And sometimes I've noticed that the Holy Spirit will lay something completely on our heart and it's not even the book of Philippians. That's okay. That's legal. 
That's the Spirit of God just speaking to your heart. We're, we're listening for the voice of God in the pages of Scripture. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, 
but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that you may see him again You may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, do not, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche, be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, Help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send their greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. 